Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So as I said, this is our Vision Sunday, and I want to, at the end of the service, I'm going to talk about this part, but we are actually doing a second service today at 6.30, and I'm going to give you some more details about that, but just something to stick in your calendar, something to make a mental note for, that at 6.30 tonight, we're having a second service that I want to invite you to be here. So with today being our Vision Sunday, we're going to launch right into our message today and talk about this together. So what is Vision Sunday? Vision Sunday is a time, it's a Sunday that we set aside each year to focus on where are we going as a church? What matters most? What are, what's the future and the picture that God's been kind of revealing to our leadership team and where we're trying to move forward? And what's different this year is we've done this as part of a sermon series called Greater Things. And so if you've been with us the last two weeks, we've been talking about some of these greater, bigger picture things that God calls us to in his word. And the first of which is that we talked about was his greater love. And we talked about this, this truth from scripture that's repeated time and time again, that God loves you more than you'll ever understand, and that Jesus came to make a way for everyone to have a relationship with God. And that's the greater love. That's the foundation of what it means to be a church. And then also, being a follower of Jesus means that we also have a mission that God gave us. And so we talked about the greater mission, how Jesus calls us to make disciples of every nation so that people can know God's greater love. And that we also talked about last week about how Jesus promised and provided the Holy Spirit so that we would have everything we need to carry out this mission. And so that's the last two weeks, in a nutshell, what we've been talking about, this terms of greater love and greater mission. Now, these two things are non-negotiable as a church. These are the two most critical things. And last week, I said, like, if you're ever checking out a church, and, you know, we often have things that we evaluate the church by, you know, did we like the music? Did the guy speaking make sense? You know, did, you know, we have different criteria we think of. Is the coffee good? And here, I hope your answer to that is always yes, because I like good coffee. But these two things, is a church living out God's greater love? And is a church living out God's greater mission? These are actually the two criteria that matter the most. And so today, as we have our Vision Sunday, we're kind of talking about this big question. How are we, speaking our church, Grand Valley Church, how are we going to invite people into God's greater love and fulfill his greater mission? Because that's really why we're here. That's what this is about, of being a community of faith together. Now, if this is your first Sunday here, again, this is going to be a little different because we're talking about us, but this is our heartbeat. This is our core, and so I'm excited that you're here with us because you'll get a picture of who we really are at our core. Now, over the past year, our leadership team, which is our elders and myself and our our MLT team, we've been working together on kind of really how do we focus ourselves in and how do we become even better at living out the mission that God's given to us? And there's a phrase that you'll hear hopefully every single Sunday here where we talk about that we exist for a purpose. And that mission that we have is that we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when we say those words, they're not just empty words. They actually have a lot of meaning that I want to unpack for us together because this is the core of why we're here. And when we talk about leading people into... That means that we are a church that's focused on inviting people into experiencing God's greater love that's revealed through Jesus. We know that Jesus came to reveal God's love and that when we pattern our lives after Jesus, when we try to live the way that Jesus lived, that's how we can move forward. That's how we can be 
kind of the tangible representation of God's love to others is when we pattern ourselves after Jesus. And so that's why leading people into, that's not just the start of the phrase, it's because we actually want people to come to the deep relationship with Jesus, to experience his love. And the second half of that phrase, when we say a growing relationship, means are we trusting Jesus and continually going further in our faith? It's not about just taking a first step of faith and then stopping there. No, our walk with God is meant to be a lifelong journey. You know, the the journey of of walking with God and going deeper is a journey that doesn't have an endpoint because there's always more that God wants to reveal of himself to us. And it's up to us to press in to say we actually want to discover, we actually want to learn and have a deeper walk with God. See, my hope here is that every one of us could look at where we were a year ago and say from where I was a year ago to where I am now, that's a big difference. I want all of us to be able to say that when we evaluate our own lives, when we say, you know, am I acting more like Jesus? Am I spending more time connecting with God? Am I, am I living out the spiritual gifting? Am I living out the ways that God has called me to live? My hope is that every one of us can answer that with a resounding yes, because that's our purpose, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Those words mean so much to me and so much to our leadership team. And I hope that they mean something to every one of us that we say, yes, that's why we're here. But anytime we come to this bigger question, there's still always the second question that follows it. Well, if that's what we're here for, the question is how? How are we actually going to do this as a community of faith? And for that, I want to take us to one of Paul's letters that we're going to spend a bit of time in this morning. And Paul was, was an early apostle of the church, and he didn't live, he didn't actually meet Jesus face-to-face during Jesus' ministry. He actually got to encounter Jesus after Jesus' ascension. And Paul, he had, at first, he actually had a different name. His name was Saul, and his purpose, his reason for existing was to persecute the church. His goal was to try and shut down this movement of people that were fully committed to and kind of sold out for teaching people about Jesus. And so Saul's job was to end the church. And so one day as he's traveling to Damascus, Jesus stops him and says, why are you persecuting me? And and Saul has this radical encounter where his whole life changes in an instant when he came and he encountered Jesus, when he experienced God's love and he realized that everything he was doing needed a complete change. And so God even gave him a new name, changed his name from Saul to Paul to Mark, how different he had become. And so Paul traveled and he, he planted churches and he met with people and he shared with them about God's love. And then later on, he would write letters because he couldn't travel enough to see these churches in person. So he would write letters to them and his letters make up the bulk of our New Testament. And so if you have a Bible with you, uh, turn to Ephesians 1, and we're going to be looking at some parts from this. So in Ephesians 1, it's his opening part of this letter. He says to the church this. He says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, I want to focus on that first part, that God loved us and chose us in Christ. It has always been God's plan for all of humanity to be in a relationship with him. But the problem is, is sometimes we choose not to be. Or sometimes we, you know, we, just, we know people that have just never had the opportunity to connect with Jesus. But God chose us. And then this latter part when he says, he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now that doesn't mean we're incapable of doing wrong. That doesn't mean we're incapable of making mistakes. 
But what it means is that when God looks at us, he sees what he accomplished. He sees Jesus' love for us. He sees everything that he did. And in God's eyes, he declares us faultless. We may still have mistakes. We still have problems. But that's what Jesus accomplished. To make this path open that we are covered by Jesus' sacrifice. And in God's eyes, we're faultless. So then Paul goes on and he says this. He says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. And again, we see Paul uses this family language of adoption, of saying that God as a father chooses to adopt us into his family. It's not just, hey, you're with us. It's no, you are in my family. That's the the scope and the extent of God's love for us, that he views us as his children, that that becomes the primary source of identity for us is that God has adopted us into his family. So now Paul carries on and he he talks more about God's whole plan, but we're going to skip ahead a couple verses to verse 12 where he unpacks this a little further. And in verse 12, Paul says this, He says, God's purpose is that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. Now, Paul was Jewish. He grew up Jewish. He was working for the Jewish religious leaders when he was persecuting Christians. And Jesus himself was Jewish. And Jesus, his disciples were Jewish. But Jesus came to be the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, about the one day anointed one who would come and rescue God's people. But there was a lot of controversy around this of people who said, well, no, Jesus couldn't possibly be the Messiah we wanted because, well, look around, we're still oppressed by Rome. We don't have freedom. We don't have our own borders. We're under Roman occupation. Jesus couldn't have been the Messiah because if he was, he would have kicked out Rome. But the problem is, is they didn't understand the scope of God's promises from the Old Testament. And so Paul writes to this group of of Christians who were mostly Jewish converts to following Jesus. And he says, we Jews who were the first to trust Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And then he says this, and now you Gentiles, that means anyone who wasn't Jewish, anyone who didn't have that family lineage that traced back to Abraham. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. See, in this passage, there's something really big that's happening. And Paul's actually referring back to a passage from Genesis, uh, from one of the, the first book of the Bible. And in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, God chooses Abraham, and he gives him this promise. He tells Abraham, you need to leave your home, you need to leave your family, leave everything you know, and follow me, and I will be your God. And then as it goes on, he says, all the nations on earth will be blessed through you. The very first covenant that God ever made with humanity was a promise that one day all nations on earth, everyone, everywhere, would be blessed because of the choice that Abraham made to follow Jesus. Now the Jewish people held to that tribal identity. They held to, well, only the descendants of Abraham are included in this. But that's not what God said to Abraham. God said to Abraham, all the nations on earth. And that's what Paul's referring to here in Ephesians 1, verse 13. He starts with, we Jews who follow were the first to reveal God's glory to the world. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. There's a progression happening in this. And that's the truth of what God always does. God always starts with the people who know him 
to take his message of love and salvation to the people who don't know him yet. That's the progression that we see, the story through all of Scripture, is that God's love and his, his presence and his hope and the depth of a relationship with him is always moving forward towards people who don't know him yet. This is the result of the greater love and the greater mission that we've been talking about for the last two weeks, is this whole idea that we as a church, we are called to take the message of God's love and his grace and his forgiveness and his salvation to people who do not know him yet. So when we say that our mission, our purpose is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, that leading people doesn't mean just those of us who are in this room going deeper. It actually means, do we see our church having an impact beyond our community? How do we invite people in? And so how, one of the questions that we always ask is, well, what will our church look like when we are fully walking in our mission to lead people into a growing relationship? What's the vision? What's the picture we see of what our church will become? And that vision is this, that we become a community that's connecting unchurched people to Jesus. See, when Grand Valley started, our church was actually planted 30 years ago in 1989. And our church was planted as a pilot project of our denomination to do church in a way that was different than any other church was doing in the 80s. And our church was planted with this purpose of saying, how are we going to reach the people that are walking away from churches? Because through the 80s, the baby boomer generation was starting to drop out of church and walk away from churches. And so church church attendance and church engagement was declining And we were one of the churches that our denomination said, we want you guys to have this as your focus. What's going to happen? What's it going to lead to? And so our church began with this focus of saying, how do we reach people who are walking away from church? But our world has changed. In the last 30 years, our world has changed dramatically. And now it's not actually focusing on people who have walked away from church. We have more people who have never, ever stepped foot in a church. We have people who have never, ever understood or encountered what it means that Jesus loves them. Church is just something completely foreign, completely unknown. That is the bulk of the people around us that we encounter. And we all know people. Sometimes it's our family members, it's our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors that have no comprehension, no even residual, you know, maybe they even grew up in church. You know, that's actually becoming less and less likely that they have some sort of past, you know, as a kid, maybe they were taken to church. But now we're actually dealing with a culture that we use this term for. We say unchurched because they actually have no basis to begin from. But if we are a church that is leading people into a growing relationship, what that will look like is that we see our church becoming a place where unchurched people connect to Jesus. That's our vision. That's the picture that we see of the future that God is calling our church to. And in fact, if we take the latest census data, there are 60,000 people that live within 30, a 30-minute 30 drive of where we're standing right now. 30 minutes away from us, 60,000 people. And if we take the stats of what it is for people who are actively engaged in their faith, it actually only falls to about 7%. So if we take 93% of 60,000, we get about 58,000 people who do not have an active relationship of Jesus that are within 30 minutes of our church right now. How are we as a church going to put a dent in that number? 
How are we as a church going to actually see that number start to shrink? That we as a, as a community of faith would grow in a, in a rate that's not being outpaced by our communities. Because it's, we're reaching this time point in our lives where we see our culture shifting and we see more and more people that do not have that even foundation as a kid of a connection with Jesus. And so we actually have to say, how are we going to lead people into a relationship with Jesus when they have no understanding at all? How do we begin that process? How do we share the hope and the love of our walk with God? Now, it's easy for us to feel overwhelmed when we talk about that. When you start talking about numbers that measure in the tens of thousands of people that don't know Jesus just around us, and we're not even talking worldwide. But it's easy for us to feel overwhelmed, but God has not given the church an impossible task. God has not given us or any church in the world an impossible task. And we know that it's not impossible because of the promises that Jesus gave us. Last week, we talked about one of the last times that Jesus met with his disciples, and he gave them this promise. He said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he promised his disciples later, he said, you know, stay in Jerusalem until something happens, until I send the Holy Spirit to you. And I want to go a little bit before that to the last night that Jesus had with his disciples before he was going to be crucified and executed by Rome. And it's his last meal when he gets to spend with the 12 people that have followed him the closest for the last three years. And Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to the Father. And then when the disciples didn't understand what he said, and they asked him, well, what do you mean by this? And he said, well, I'm going to the Father to send you the Holy Spirit. See, they at first understood this passage the way that I used to understand this passage. And I used to think, Jesus, you cannot be right in this because we are not going to become greater than Jesus. We are not going to become more, we are not going to become superior to Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. Jesus is God. We are not. And I used to read this passage that way. And then I suddenly realized that it's different. What Jesus is actually saying in this, he says, no, you're not going to be greater than me. You're going to do greater works. And those greater works happen because we outnumber Jesus. Jesus' disciples outnumber Jesus. Jesus could only be in one place at one time during his ministry. But what happens after his death and his resurrection and his ascension? The disciples all split and they go in separate ways. And suddenly there's churches planting and popping up all over the known world. And those disciples are teaching other disciples and those disciples are going and they're seeing God move in powerful ways. In fact, from AD 33, when Jesus told his disciples this, until AD 313, so about 270, 280-ish years later, one-third of the Roman Empire professes that Jesus is Lord. One-third of the known world chooses to commit their lives to Christ because of this. Because the disciples actually did greater things than Jesus did because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and because of the multiplication effect of more of them doing and living what God had called them out to than just one person when Jesus was here. See, this is not greater in terms of being superior. This is greater in terms of numerical because we outnumber Jesus. And his promise is that he empowers us, that he gives his spirit to us, And that is why Jesus said this and is true when he says this. You will do even greater works 
because I'm going to be with the Father. And the next verses after these says, when I go to the Father, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul connects back to. We're going to go back to verse Ephesians 1, 13 in the second half of that verse. Paul says this, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. See, this is the progression that happened throughout Scripture, that God, thousands of years earlier, tells Abraham, follow me, tells one person who has no kids of his own, just a wife, says, follow me. Your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky and every nation will be blessed through you. But they forgot that every nation part. They just thought it was the tribal descendants of Abraham. But then when Jesus came, born as a descendant of Abraham, came to basically blow the doors open to anyone coming into a relationship with God. This is what God is doing. And this is what God is calling our church to do that we would lean in hard to being a community of faith that leads people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And as part of that, we'll know that we're becoming that. We'll know that we're reaching that when we see ourselves become a community where unchurched people, people that have no connection to Jesus, are invited to be here, are invited to hear about God's love, are invited to experience what happens when the Holy Spirit lives with us and within us. This is the mission. This is the purpose. This is why. We don't come together every week just for the sake of getting together and and hear a great band play some music and sing along and, and you tolerate listening to me. That's not the reason why we do this. We do this because God is calling us to something bigger and God is calling us to something deeper. And one of the things that Scripture tells us is that it grieves God when people don't know how much he loves them. And that's up to us to share. So today, I want to invite you to be part of three things. I'm going to talk about these three things one by one. And the first is something that was on your seats when you came in. What we do around here is, maybe if you've been part of churches before, you've heard this term membership get tossed around. A little while ago, we we took this term membership and we said, no, it doesn't fully capture what we want to call people to. And so we changed it and we call it partnership here. And so what we do is once a year, we invite you to choose to become a partner. And what we mean by a partner is saying that all of us together, we are choosing to be partnered with one another in living out this mission and this vision. And so on the card is a partnership card. And I want to explain what this means when we say a choice to be together and pursuing our mission of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And what we do with our partnership is our partnership is a one-year renewable covenant. So each year we ask you to come back to these statements and say, is this where you're at? Is this what you choose to be part of? And so we ask our partners to make three commitments. The first is to say, do you support and are you willing to pray for our mission and vision? We do nothing without prayer. Are you willing to make this part of your routine to pray for our church to live these things out? that we would go further and deeper in our mission. The second thing that we ask our partners to commit to is that we know that God has given every one of us specific spiritual gifts and talents and abilities that are meant so that we can move forward. The church has given us everything we need, and it's right here in this room already. But oftentimes, we haven't fully discovered those things. And in fact, our next, starting next Sunday, 
You've heard me kind of preview this a couple times already. We're going to do a series digging into the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. What does this mean? So if you're confused and you say, I don't know what a spiritual gift is. I don't know what that means. We're going to talk about that. We're going to discover and learn those things together over the next month. And so I want to encourage you on that. And then the, the third thing is we say that we want to give regularly and generously to financially support the ministry of our church. Now, we know through all through Scripture, God calls us to be generous. And we try to talk a little bit about that when we receive our offering every week. But one of the things that we often don't realize through Scripture is that the mission of God still needs to be funded. In fact, there's a few verses through the Gospels where it talks about the group of about 70 women that traveled with Jesus and the disciples, and they would make and sell things in order to fund Jesus and the disciples to do what they were doing. You know, in Paul, he was funded by the churches that he planted. They would receive an offering, and they would send part of that money on to fund Paul to go to the next town. And, and at times, if, if he ran out of money, he would go back to his trade as a tent maker. And it was a skill that he picked up to be able to provide for the ministry. But it's one of the things that we call ourselves to do of saying, are we actually going to fund the mission of our church? And so if you're looking at this list, and maybe you think, you know, I got two out of three. Why don't you make whatever that third one is? Why don't you make that your spiritual growth goal for this year? Of saying, I'm going to check off all three and I'm going to choose to lean in and to start doing that. Because that's what it takes to grow deeper in our faith. We actually have to challenge ourselves to lean into what God is doing. To lean into the areas where God may be telling us we still have yet to grow. And so if you are sitting here and you're thinking, you know what? I actually want to be involved on this. I want to see our church become these things. Or maybe if last year you were here and you filled out one of these partnership cards, I want to ask you to fill it out again. To make this commitment anew. And in a moment when we take communion... I want to ask you to bring your card up and put it in these gray baskets as the sign of saying that we are choosing to be on this mission together as a church. And one of the things that also that the partnership lets you do is that tonight when we have our, our evening service to, to dig deeper and to push further into this is people who are partners, we actually give you some responsibility. And so you have the responsibility of being part of affirming the work that our nomination committee has done in electing our elders. Because we as a church, we are accountable to you. Ultimately, we're accountable to God. By, by far and above, we as a community of faith together are accountable to God. But one of the expressions of saying that we want to be in this together is that we place our elder election in your hands. The nominating committee has done work, and I'm going to explain more about that later. But if you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, I want to do this, Go for it. Sign up. And if you're saying, you know what, I don't know, I'm kind of new here, I want to spend some time, that's okay. Take that card with you. And at any time when you're ready to make that decision, just drop it into one of the black boxes by the auditorium doors or drop it off at the office and say to choose to be in on this because we want you to be with us in this. We will only achieve this together. The second thing that we're going to do today that I want to invite you to is that we're going to take communion. Now, communion is a time to remember and reflect on what Jesus has already done for us. And we come up and we take the elements. We take the juice and the bread because it represents what Jesus did with his disciples that night that we were just talking about earlier. When Jesus had his last meal with him, he took bread and he took wine and he said, this is my body and this is my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you so that you may know God, that you may have a path open to God. 
And so that's something that we do regularly here. We come to communion together. But I want to make a little change, if you'll permit me to. When you take communion, usually I challenge you to to pray and reflect on what God's done for us. And I still want you to do that. But I want to challenge you to do something. Are you willing to pray for someone that you hope to introduce to Jesus? Are you willing to pray for a family member or a friend or a coworker or a neighbor, someone you know, that you want them to experience the relationship with God that you have? Are you willing to pray for that person as you take communion today? Because that's what I want to invite you to, is that together we focus on this. And um, just so you know, the bread on the silver trays is gluten-free. And we have this other practice that we do every time we take communion. And I'm going to invite you up in a moment And Alistair and the band are going to lead us in two more songs after that. And when we do the first song, our guest services team are going to pass the offering bags again. And this is our benevolent offering. This is an offering that doesn't go to any of our expenses or any of our budgets. We use these funds purely to help people in our community and in our city that are in need because it's a tangible way of showing God's love to one another. And so I want to encourage you to be generous for that. But I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to pray for us. And I want to invite you as you feel ready to come up Take some of the juice, take a piece of bread, and pray for those two things. Reflect on what God's done, and pray for someone who you want to invite to Jesus. And as you come up, drop your partnership card in one of the gray baskets. Lord, thank you that you saw fit for us to be in a relationship with you. That even though we can't come to you on our own, you make it possible. You made a way open, and you pour your love out on us even before we know that you love us. And so, Lord, thank you that you saw fit to become human, to come into our world, and to be the sacrifice that lets us be in a relationship with you. And so, Lord, as we take communion this morning, would you give us a fresh understanding of what you did for us? And would you draw to our minds the person that you already know that you love, that you want to reveal your love to, and that you want us to be the one to share that love with them? Lord, would you meet us here? We know that you're here already. Would you meet with us as we take communion together? In your name we pray. Amen. So I said earlier there was three things that I was inviting you to. And the third, you can grab a seat, folks. The third is that tonight at 6.30, from 6.30 to 7.30, it's only going to be about an hour, we're doing part two of our Vision Sunday. And what we're going to do is we're going to go further in this conversation about how are we going to reach our mission and vision. We're going to actually talk about some of the barriers that our church is going to have to collectively choose to overcome together. And so I want to invite you to come for 630. If you have one of our annual reports, bring it with you. We're going to be referring to some of the stuff in it during our time. If you don't have one of these yet, we have a few copies left that we'll put out at the Connect Center for you to pick up. And the other thing that's really cool about this is our sister church in town, McDermott Drive Alliance, they're sending a bunch of their kids ministry volunteers are coming up here to run a kids program for kids age two to grade five. So that's really awesome that they're doing that. So you don't even have to find a sitter. Just come here, be here for 630. And we're going to dive into this together and take the next step. So let me pray for us. And then we're going to call it a call our morning done. God, thank you so much that your love is a firm foundation, that we can trust you, you are unchanging, you are unwavering, and when we are nervous, you are not. And so, Lord, this mission, this passion, this vision you've given us is something inspiring. And, Lord, I pray that we as a church, we would dig into what this means for us, that we would push forward to be who you have called us to be, that we would have an impact in our city and beyond, that more people 
would know your saving love, your saving grace, that we truly would be a community that leads people into a growing relationship with you. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Folks, have a great afternoon. See you at 6.30. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.